This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, the in-off-the-post version, which, of course, as any fool know, is when we have so many emails during the week that we can't squeeze them into the Monday Night Fancast. So me and JK do a bit of overtime, and that is precisely what we're doing tonight. I'm Stamford Chidge, of course, and with me is my excellent friend, my most excellent friend, Mr. Jonathan uh, Kidd. Oh, Chidge, how lovely of you to describe me as that. Thank you. Thank you. And you are in... It, as well, indeed, an excellent friend. In fact, my only friend. I have no friends. So uh, as I only see you on Zoom, you're my Zoom only friend. Yeah. So it's kind of like it's all gone very Bill and Ted early. My most excellent friend, Jonathan S. Kidd. Does that mean we have... Wild Stallions. Watch? Never mind. For those of you who know, you know. Um, yes. We've got a big, big bag of post tonight, mate, to get through. A big bag. A very big bag. We have. Good. Uh, Good. Do you want to kick it off with Mr. Y- young Mr. Andrew Davies? I'd like to. It's got my name next to it as well. Uh, hi, Chidge and JK. I know this is being sent way after the deadline. Yeah, Andrew, so sorry. Next one. Oh, no, OK. Um, but um, figured maybe with In Off The Post being tonight, it may make the cut. No worries if not. It has, Andrew. It has. Uh, I'm not going to be saying anything new here that hasn't already been said, need to get it out of my system. Get it off your chest, Andrew, mate. Get it off your chest. Um, Potter isn't up to the task. Whoop! That much surely is clear to everyone now. For every time some media mouthpiece says, give him time, I scream, but what if he just isn't up to it? And then it needs to be, but what if he just isn't up to it? It's in the interests of other managers and high-profile proponents of other teams for Chelsea with our financial clout to languish in, languish in mediocrity, and that's all we'll ever do under Potter. It's a fool's game to keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result, as Chidge often says. It's not foolish, it's madness. 
and rightly pointed out that if we persist in this ridiculous, then the next ridiculousness, then the next manager will have to dig us out of a deeper hole than if the board acts decisively. They were quick enough to sack TT, what a mistake that was, so you hope they eventually come to their senses. Everyone's saying how hard it was for Potter to come into the club mid-season. He didn't. He came in, what, a month into it with the postponed games for the Queen's passing, the World Cup, a near month without a game, being out of the Cups early, and one game a week. Very good points, these, actually, aren't they, Chidge? Very good. We're talking about that. A near month without a game, being out of the Cups early, one game a week. He's had ample time to start putting his ideas across, and he hasn't. Whether he's a good coach, very debatable in my opinion, is moot. Either he's not up to it or the players aren't playing for him, but the end result is the same. Performances and results are nowhere near where they need to be. Absolutely. I don't care who comes in for the rest of the season. Give it to JT for all I care. I'm not sure that'd be a good idea. We don't need a tactical genius at the moment. We just need someone to pull the players together and have them all moving in the same direction with some feel-good factor. And there's no reason why JT couldn't do that. I don't know. I, I wonder whether they need a, a manager rather than a, just an ex-player. But uh, I long for the day when I don't see that clueless oaf on the touchline raise his hands above his head, clapping like a seal, as another golden chance is spurned by Havertz. Is he, he has about three defaults, doesn't he? He claps. Or he, or he goes, ooh, one of those, or he just stands there. I intended this to be a short email, so sorry for a ranting, no, no, good rant. But the thing that best sums up the foolishness of the situation at the moment is this fact. Our only two promising, in quotes, performances this year have been a draw, Liverpool, and a defeat, Dortmund, in which we've not scored a goal. Mediocrity should not be applauded, and this mummer's farce needs to end. May I say how beautifully put that is? A mummer's farce, Chidge. Do you know that? Well, it comes from uh, mummer's plays, doesn't it? Yes, mummer's. On a different note, a purely selfish request. Is there any way for you to post JK's fan bites on the Fancast Instagram account? Yes, I'm supposed to be doing that. It's it's my fault. And YouTube. uh, Yeah, and YouTube. I'm rubbish. I'm being rubbish. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I came off Twitter a while ago because of the, uh, the MAGA prick, Musk taking ownership of it and dearly missing seeing kiddos spot on rants that are aligned so closely to my own views. Dane said when you were away, Chidge, he needed you to give him the password for IG. So get your ass in gear. He's blamed you. <laughs> yes, he may well be right. I can't remember whether I did or not, but I'll check. No, but it's my fault. It's my fault. All the best and sent with love. Yeah. And Sorry, Andrew, you're absolutely right. I, I'm supposed to be doing it every week. The trouble is I keep, I've got to put it up on, on, um, I'm supposed to put it up on YouTube. I forget to do that. I'm supposed to put it up on YouTube, on Chidge's page on YouTube. I forget to do that. <laughs> so many places I forget to put it up on. I do apologise. I've even got a Chelsea Fanbytes Extra thing, which I don't even put it up on that. Um, yeah, I'll get my act together. Promise. I'll, I'll make a big a big post-it note, stick it on the uh, on the computer. Yes, we, we need to try harder. We, we we don't have an army of people doing things for us like other podcasts. It's just basically me and JK trundling along like a couple of old gits, really. Couple of old... Beep. Couple of old gits. Uh, Andrew, I mean, you know, I know mo- so much of this has already been said, been said before, will be said again. But I, I, I think basically we agree with you. I think you're, you're right, JK. You spotted that Andrew made some rather excellent points about the fact that actually Potter's had 
effectively far more um, coaching time with these players uh, than than we're previous, used to. Yeah, and previous managers, absolutely, m- m- much, much more, much more. Yeah, and I mean the other thing, I mean what what I, I you know I I'm not yet convinced actually that the players have chucked it in, and they're not playing for him. I'm I'm not yet convinced by that, but I just think they don't understand him. I think some of them. Well, put it this way. Let me let me qualify this. I don't think any of the new players have chucked it in and don't want to play for him. I think some of the the players who've been around for a while are thinking thinking why have we got a PE teacher instead of an elite European coach? I and I didn't say this on Monday's show and I and I meant to qualify, but you know what it's like on on a Monday night. It's just nuts all the way through and you know, it's it's just it's very frenetic. But actually, I think one of the problems that Mason Mount's got at the moment is precisely that. He can't believe what's happening to this club and he's very angry about it. I think there are other things that are affecting his form too. But I don't I don't think he's having Potter. I don't think Ben Chilwell is, judging from what somebody was saying about Chilwell's reaction to Potter on the sidelines. I think some of the players that have been at Chelsea and been around Chelsea for a long time is just simply sitting there in astonishment at what's going on and how we've got to a situation where we've got this guy as our manager. But I think the new guys that have come in, they haven't had, they just won't know that. So I think they're they're all, they're all okay. So the long and the short of it is, I don't either we've got a divided camp or they haven't quite chucked it in with him yet. Do you think it's a coincidence that Kovacic hasn't come up to the plate, as it were, and neither has Mount recently? And I wonder whether they're connected, that that they're just they they similarly just don't know what to do because he's not, they don't know what that role they're supposed to be playing. Uh, or they just haven't got faith in him. And you wonder whether, in fact, um, uh, James is underperforming because he hasn't got faith in him as well. Well, let's work it out, OK? Who, who, let, let, who are the kind of the the, the pre-Bowley era players, OK? Let's work it out back to front. Kepper? I don't... I don't. I think Kepper's just glad he's playing every game because he was, <laughs> you know, so I don't think Kepper's an issue. Um, OK, Chilwell? I think that I I sense there's an issue there. Uh, Silver, I think Silver's just a remarkable human being and professional. I don't he's think he's going to be out for six well, weeks. Well, so I hear. Uh Ashil, new boy, no issue. Koulibaly, new boy, no issue. Although a Tuchel pick. Um, Reese James, either it's he's not fit, and he's still carrying an injury, or he's got an attitude issue as he doesn't he's not buying into potter so chaloba i i think he's not getting picked so he won't be happy about that quite possibly a legacy issue there with him um fafana w new boy no issue there i reckon so we go to the midfield what we got in the midfield enzo new boy don't think there's an issue there yet kovacic i think there might be an issue he's used to different i think there might be an issue there gallagher Possibly, but more to the fact that he's not playing, perhaps. I don't know. Or not playing in the right position. Who else have we got in the midfield? Well, Zakaria, new boy, no issue. Loftus-Cheek, don't know about Loftus. You know, what goes on in his head can only, you know. Plays, plays at the same level, regardless of who's yeah. managing. Who else have we got in midfield? Chuck, new boy. Yeah, new boy. So, no issue. So, moving forward, Ziyech. Well... I think he's shit, whoever's the manager is, to be honest. Sterling, new boy, but I wonder. Uh, it was a two-call pick, so maybe he's thinking, what the fuck? Uh, Havertz, he's used to different. Maybe he's thinking, what the fuck? 
Felix, new boy, so no problem. Uh, Mudrick, new boy, no problem. Uh, Felix, new boy, no problem. Uh, Mudwek, Abamyang, definitely a problem there. Tuchel pick. Mudueki, new boy, no problem. So it's it's split, and I do think it is split down those lines. Yeah. yeah. If you look at the patterns, the none of the none of the old old guard are playing well. No, that's my point. Yeah, none of them. Whereas the new ones are trying hard. Other than other than Thiago, but now he's injured. Yeah. So and and is a consummate professional anyway, I think. Yeah. 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 And he's been around the block. He's seen managers come and go, and he's mature. You know, he's a mature. I mean, you know, if you and I were in in their position, I mean, it'd be interesting to see what we would do actually. But I, I'm inclined to think that we would just like shrug our shoulders and get on with it because we've been around the block a bit. Whereas the Dean Mearses and the Danes of this world and the Dan Silvers, they might be throwing the toys out of the room. Sorry, boys. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, who knows? We don't know, do we? I would be debating with the manager what he was trying to do and and annoying him by asking so many questions. To be really honest, mate, I would be I would be like an amalgamation of John Terry, Didier Dropper, Frank Lankard, Ashley, Ashley Cole saying, who the fuck are you? What have you won? And what the fuck are you doing here? Get out of my fucking club because I could do a better job than you. Which is why I always used to get fired. Yes. <laughs> Similarly, my questions were always, well, my agent was always phoned. He was always in theatre saying, could I stop asking questions? <laughs> yeah, I've always been a bullshit sod. I've been fired so many times. I've been fired a lot in my career, which is why I work for myself now, because uh, I haven't quite got round to firing myself yet, but there's time. OK, well done, Andrew. Brilliant email to start us off tonight. We've got another one from Hugh Jameson. Hugh uh, Jameson. Hugh Jameson. Hugh Jameson. There you go. Aye. Right, Aye. So, right. I like this. This is a good start. The title of this email, Big Bollocks. No, this is not summoning up memories of a 1-1 draw with United and Kovacic's banana hammock at Stamford Bridge being the most entertaining thing on show. It is in fact, banana hammock, I love it. It is in fact a response to the most recent catch-up listening of Monday's show, Potterful. Excellent listening as always, chaps. Um, it was suggested that Potter does not have big bollocks. Potter does not have the ego. Potter does not have the personality of a Tuchel or a Conte or a Mourinho Mark II or a, or a Carlo or a Mourinho Mark I. In fact, we would have to go back to 2007 and the personality of Avram Grant to find a someone who would, have, uh, who would even come close. In part, we can agree. Potter is not close to having the ego, the bravado, the personality. But we do not know about the size of his bollocks. Hugh, this is very true. <laughs> JK is crying out for Aubameyang to start and to play. And in proper JK Potter press review style, he's shit, JK. JK, he's shit. I've been clutching at straws, I know. I know, I know, I know. I'm straws, haven't you? Uh, the show reviewed the size of... Uh, by the way, I should preface this, JK, in true JK style, I've not read a single one of these emails before the show, so uh, this, is, this is as much of a surprise to me as it is to you. And uh, But I love it, and that's the way it needs to be. Absolutely right. Uh, the show reviewed the size of Eric Ten Hag's bollocks. It's a bit like um, Anchorman, isn't it? Basically, they could write anything, and we'll just we'll just read it out, like, like uh, Will Ferrell did in Anchorman. Yeah. Fuck you, yeah. San Diego. Yeah. One of my favourite films, that. Anyway, uh, the and show... Too. And mine too. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? And the scene where, where they all come in and the girl comes in and they all go, oh, she's, she's blah, 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 blah. Yeah, Sex Panther. 
I have a, yeah. I have a bottle of Sex Panther always close to hand. Yes, yes, anyway, yes. the show reviewed the size of Eric Ten Hag's bollocks and in and in the handling of Ronaldo of the Ronaldo debacle decided they were big enough. Similarly, in weeks gone by, the sentiment towards our Mike, uh, Mikel Arteta's bollocks for the handling of guess who? Yep, you guessed it, Aubameyang has been viewed as a turning point in his regime as manager and the beginning of their rejuvenation. Why is Potter's handling of a clearly toxic asset in Aubameyang being questioned so heavily? How do we know that Potter doesn't rule with an iron rod? I see what you've done there, Huge. Very good. Uh, in the freezing out of an asset that could considered uh, be considered useful by some, he is, it, is he not laying a marker down on attitude or level of ability that will not be crossed? Just because he is not ranting in the media and throwing Aubameyang's name under the bus every chance he gets, does that not mean that he is not setting standards and trying to gel a new group of players together with a common purpose and identity? If you don't fit in or don't at least want to try, you can do one. I wonder how Rhys James' shed in his back garden is coming along. Is he or Potter perhaps working to find some helping hands to build something special? I wonder if it was built in a day or whether it took time to identify who amongst the workers would be leaders for the project. It is a shed made of cardboard that can be easily torn down, thrown in the bin. And, oh, sorry, is it a shed made of cardboard that can be easily torn down, thrown in the bin and started over again? In case you hadn't guessed it, I'm talking about Chelsea. The day Bowley gave Potter a five-year deal instead of the normal 18 months. We all knew this time it was going to be different. Now let's look at some stats, points per game in the Premier League. Klopp, first season, 1.60. Pep, first season, 2.05. Arteta, first season, 1.65. Potter, first season so far, 1.24. I genuinely believe that with players back from injury and time on the training pitch, <clears throat> come the end of the season, we will see that number reach around the 1.6 mark. There are 15 games to go, or less now, and about and at about two points per game. Two points per game. Hugh... For the last 13 games, we've, we've been getting less than one point a game. Anyway, at about two points per game, we'll see us you hit around... You can't win two points per game, Chich. What? You can't win two points a game. It's no, it's an, or... it's an average. It's an average. It's an average. I was being pedantic. Okay. Uh, la, 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 la. There are 15 games to go, and about two, at about two points per game, we'll see us hit around 60 points. So that will be 29 points from something like 13 games. Not happening. Then again, if Reese injures himself hauling bricks back and forth with no one else to carry the load, then all bets are off. This was always going to be a long road, perhaps even longer than the most optimistic among us thought. I'm here for the ride. I just won't be watching the pressers whilst enjoying it. As always, thank you for all you do. I loved your email, Hugh. That was that was funny in parts and, and, and passionately put and you know, I think I think what you're saying is you've got faith in him to turn it round and and do the business and i totally respect your view i i think you know your own stats bury you there a bit my old my old china you know he's got 1.24 i mean this was before the loss to to spurs by the way so i think that's you know that's pretty self-evident that he's he's not up to it plus the fact he's not had i mean you know arteta pep klopp none of them had runs anywhere near as bad as the one that we're on at the moment in their first season um Klopp had won won you know prestigious trophies in Germany had made Champions League finals Pep well I mean you know Pep's won it all and Arteta even though he's a relative newcomer to management he still managed to beat Chelsea in his first season in an FA Cup final so I don't think there's any comparison there and I think this is what it all boils down to if 
you know, people say give him time. And I think this is what Bowley's saying. If you give Potter time, it will come good in the end. Well, if you gave me time as the Chelsea manager, it would probably come good in the end. But what happens in the interim? That's my issue. It's no flaming good if we get relegated, is it? You know, this is Chelsea Football Club. OK, yeah, we're all a bit spoilt and we expect winning things like we didn't back in the day. But that is where we are. And I think this has ramifications for where we will be as a club because the lower you fall, the harder it is to get back in an increasingly competitive football environment and it damages, it, you know, I'm thinking from a, from a business point of view for Bowley, it damages the brand. You know, I mean, I, I you know, in, in, in all honesty, Hugh, I've seen Chelsea win it all. I never even thought we'd win an FA Cup again in the 80s and the 90s. You know, we could win nothing, nothing again ever. And I would still die a very, very happy Chelsea supporter, given what I've seen in the last 25, 30 years. But I think there's a lot of people around who are not like that. And, and it's hard for them to see what's happening to the club and falling as far as we are. And I think a lot of them are thinking, well, you know, there's there's a reason for that. It's 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 wholly Graham Potter. Well, I don't necessarily subscribe to that view. I don't think it's all down to Graham Potter. I think, think like most things, there's nuance and context here. But I've always held the view that I think Chelsea requires a certain manager and that manager has to have the gravitas, the experience, the track record and winning things, the ability to deal with world-class talents some standing in the game, uh, a desire to bring youngsters through, a good coach tactically in-game and uh, off the pitch as well. And I just don't see Potter as that guy. And it's nothing against Potter because I think he's an absolutely lovely human being. There's no doubt about that. But I just don't think he's a, a manager of you know, Chelsea standing. And I don't think any amount of time will change that apart from if he, you know, yeah, okay, unless he sticks around for another two years and we're absolute shit and the third year he wins everything, then I, I shall be proved to be an absolute numpty. And I'll tell you what, Hugh, if that happens, I'll be the first to write you an email saying, mate, you were right and I was wrong and I'm a numpty and I'll buy you a pint when I see you. But I really don't see it. Does that mean that Hugh will be running the fan cast? Exactly. I will hand the running of the fan cast over to Hugh. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's fair enough, actually. He's, he's clearly I, quite funny, so that would help. I liked his building metaphor. I didn't yeah. quite understand what was, what was going on with Reese's shed. But um, uh, um, uh, and I think I think suggesting somehow that Reese is working very hard is he's not really been watching any of the games that Reese has been playing in when he's been sort of tiptoeing amidst the tulips. Um, um, but yeah, no, I, I, the, the difficulty, Chid, isn't it? We've been watching the game for so long. We're watching Chelsea for so long. We're unbelievably opinionated, uh, <laughs> yes. and, we, and, and we we think we know. We think we know all about football, and we watch them play. I've re read inverting the pyramid, mate. That's all you need, yeah, isn't it? That's all you need. That's all you know. <laughs> I've read it too. I've forgotten all about it. But I've, I've got it, it on Kindle and in paperback. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've got it in paperback. In fact, I bought it again by mistake, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> because I thought oh, I haven't read that book, and I realised I had. But um, uh, we watch and we think it's shite, and it's very difficult watching your team be shite. It allows you to have an even louder opinion. Um, I think if they were playing reasonably well and getting the odd result we'd have debate and think well he's on he's on it we'll see what happens we'll see what improvement there is but the very fact we have to go through this sort of almost stripping it all back um to find the green shoots like cutting everything right down to nothing um i don't think works in the modern day and age and doesn't work with uh, um impatient 
the impatient fan base, which unfortunately now stretches around the world. Um, so I'm not convinced that they can afford to let this slip. And the way it's going at the moment, um, uh, you wonder where they're, where they're going to get another goal from, where they're going to score. And the only reason I embraced Aubameyang um, was because he is a recognised striker and the boy they've got in, Fofana, danced about a bit but is raw and will probably, at least, at least I would be happy if he just gave him a go from the beginning again. At least you know you've got a striker because Havertz isn't been playing in the right position. We all know that because he scored, what is it, seven goals in something ridiculous number of games. So... I'm I'm just saying, well, if Aubameyang is supposedly the proper deal, the real deal, because he scored a terrific goal against Palace and scored a couple, he scored a goal early on in the uh, um, in the Champions League. I think he played three games and scored three times. Um, then it all went a bit, fell a bit apart. But um, you're saying that he's a very disruptive influence. Well, we've no idea whether he's a disruptive influence at Chelsea. Um and also, it may be the fact that's why he won't play him because he is a disruptive influence. But Potter at the presses says, no, he's doing his job. He's fine. He's fitted in perfectly. And I think all the journalists are always asking, you know, getting a hint of Potter saying, actually, no, he's a disruptive influence and we don't want him in the team. But he won't ever say that. And also, he probably has been training OK because he's earning a large amount. Of, he's earning much more than he ever earned at Arsenal. So I don't think we can make an assessment of him is if his being um, a bad apple here. So I, 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 you know, I prefer it if they didn't play him, obviously, because he's not looking very good when he does play. But I felt in the last 10 minutes of the Spurs game, when he put him on um, with Mudrick, Mudrick got the ball into the into the middle and we went up a couple of gears. We actually look much better. And once again, the problem is, is when we watch the team and then isn't much effort and ball doesn't seem to be going in the box and nobody gets on the end of anything. We don't look as if we're likely to score and we gave away two softish goals, uh, one of which was a foul, of course. And then suddenly he brings on the two substitutes and for whatever reason, Aubameyang um, looked a lot better, ran, was in the box, ran the centre-halves a bit ragged, almost got on the end of a couple of things. The game went up. We played much, much better in the last 10 minutes and uh, Tottenham were on the back foot. And so you go, OK, Perhaps he would fit into that environment. All right, it's the end of the game. Everyone's a bit tired. Subs are on. But it was much more um, dynamic in the last 10 minutes. And in fact, my complaint was, why the fuck didn't he bring them on with 20 minutes to go? Because at least it would have been uh, an attacking f focus. I mean, in fact, I've developed a theory over the weekend since the last show that um, why don't they, if you're a decent coach and you can't score... Why don't you just have another approach, which is that you you do push players further forward. You do play four up. You play four two four or something. You play a system that allows your players to be in the in the box more, to be in, on the end of stuff. And all right, you might defend like idiots, but at least you would be scoring more goals. And if you don't get the ball in the net, you've completely had it. I mean, all right, I'm slightly advocating Oziar Diles with um um. Jürgen Klinsmann as centre forward, so it'll be 6-5, but at least the ball would be going in the net or try something during the game akin to that. Try something that just changes it for us as fans to see that you're attempting to score. Because at the moment, he seems to play the same pattern every time, which he tries to keep the defence rigid, tries to keep the midfield solid-ish, um, and nothing happens in the final third. There is no change at all so 
we know as fans, not your coaches, not your trainers, that he can change it around to actually look as if we're about to score. That is, there is possibility in that he's not doing it. And if Aubameyang is unfortunately the only man who's going to be able to contribute that, well, then bring him on earlier. So, uh, but, uh, but once again, yes, I, I, I get what you're talking about, which is Aubameyang is possibly past it. Well, yeah, he's 33 and he was brought in for Tuchel. But if you've got an established striker who's scored lots of goals, he's not a disruptive influence in the club. Give him a go because we can't do any worse than this. Give him a go. Put more attackers on, if possible. Do something that makes us think you're doing something different and we might actually score. Because at the moment, uh, we can't score. And if you don't score and the other side score a goal, they've won. So that's what's happening now. But anyway. La, 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 la. <laughs> Brett Rutherford. Good evening, Chidge, JK and the gang. Well, there's no gang here, Brett. It's just me and Chidge. Um, I'm writing this from Tallahassee, Florida. I'd love to go there. I've been to Florida. I don't think I went to Tallahassee. Where I watched, I, I, I was in a commercial and we run a, um, there was a copy of the, the bounty. It's in the sand. Yeah, this was a, uh, this was post, post that, that one. That was shot in Malaga. Um, this was in Florida. I was playing a pirate. In wow. a crisp, indeed. The like, no, funny enough, I was very like that. I was a very well-spoken pirate. Um, uh, and it was. doesn't a, compute. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they quite like the gag, I suppose. I don't know. With I had a bandana and a you know bit of a beard and whatever. But anyway, and a cutlass. Um, and we were on on the uh, replica of the bounty that chugged around the bay at the time. Um, and I didn't see anything of Florida at all because we were called for six o'clock. Spent all of the day on the boat. Shot it completely exhausted. Went back to the hotel. Fell asleep. Following morning, called in again, and then back home. Oh, gone. Anyway, um, I'm writing this from Tallahassee, Florida, where I watch most matches with our supporters group, North Florida Blues. Yeehaw. I enjoy listening to the show weekly, even when I passionately disagree with one of JK or Tony's opinions. Excuse me, Brett. How can you disagree with me? How can you disagree with my views? Anyway, no disrespect intended. What would football be like if we agreed on everything? Anyways, why do they they put an S on it anyway, don't they? Anyways, I like it. I like it. Anyways, I imagine mine won't be the, the only email you read off this week about Potter. Here it goes. Big breath. Uh, he's, just, he's just saying what I've said. Take real risks with team selections and tactics. He's just agreed with me. We've agreed, Brett. We've agreed. You're not going to be disagreeing with my opinion. If we're going to lose, I would love to see our manager take real risks with his team selections and tactics. Trusted journalists are reporting his job is not in danger, yet he manages like a man who's no, who knows he's being sacked in the morning. Why not turn this a wasted season into an opportunity to try new systems and develop the players that are in the future plans? Well, the trouble is, though, I think, Brett, if you, if you try that too much, they definitely will be relegated. Um, having said that, though, they look as if they're going to be relegated anyway. I would give hardly any minutes to players like Koulibaly or Havertz. I think you're in a minority there. I think Havertz, there's somehow a kind of golden ticket for Havertz, isn't there? That he seems to play every game as a kind of go-to, even though we all think he's playing in the wrong position. And Koulibaly played a bit better in the Champions League. Anyway, I would even go far as to say that Dave should rarely see the pitch. Yes, agree completely. Shouldn't see the pitch at all. Agree completely. Uh, although we lack true cover for Reese James, while Gusto is on loan at Lyon, I'd rather see those minutes given to a young and exciting player that could use first-team minutes. Lewis Hall, he plays on the left, 
Conor Gallagher, he won't, doesn't even want to play him. Chukwameka, in and out. Manchester City turned Zinchenko, came up as a number 10, into a wonderful fullback. Good point. Maybe we have one hiding right under our noses. Chalabar, perhaps? And the formation. He's settled for what looks like a 4-2-3-1 in recent matches. There seems to be no tactical plan. It feels eerily similar to the final days of Frank Lampard's tenure in charge. When Potter was hired, I remember hearing from pundits that tactics weren't all that different from Tuchel's, that he would change his formations during matches to try and break down the opponents. Recently, I've not seen that. No, I haven't seen it at all. I've seen Kai Havertz trotted out as a number nine while we've disgruntled the only true striker in the squad. Um, while we've disgruntled the only true striker in the squad, Aubameyang. Well, I agree completely. It's been just what we said. I'd love to see Potter return to a back three and cut. Yes, we've said that. Well, hey, Brett, we're, we're agreeing with he everything. Might, he here. might have written this before we said that on Monday. No, I know, but I'm, I'm just saying. But nonetheless, we, you know, he he should he should be instead of me. He said all my points here. Um, uh, 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 I'd love to see Potter return to a back three and encourage the young players to be creative and daring. Who cares if you give the ball away? Who cares if you slip up and concede? Well, I do. We're not going to be in Europe next year. No. And the owner's alleged belief that we could be lifting our third European Cup this season is absolutely insane. Yes, there is an insanity, but, you know, we're out of both domestic cups, you know, down to hot balls at the uh, the draw. Any time not spent on developing the players of the future is wasted. I, I agree, I agree, but, you know, they've got to stay in the division, haven't they, uh, Brett? But at the same time, it can't get any worse at the moment. The ownership needs more time before we as supporters can judge them thoroughly. Well... They're going to be with us until they sell it. So we're going to. However, as Dean Mears said on the latest fan cast, I don't know if they realised they were buying the world champions. Yeah, very good point. This is a squad composed mostly of players that Thomas Tuchel turned into the best side in the world. When we beat Juventus 4-0, I was convinced we were witnessing the start of a Manchester City-like run, being led by soon-to-be club legends like Rhys James and Mason Mount. Injuries, Lukaku tantrums and a horrific war drastically changed our season and the outlook of our club in the new year. And we've never looked the same. However, Chelsea supporters recognise we aren't that far removed from greatness. Oh, sorry, Brett, I think we're fucking months and years from that again at the moment. While the bandage has been ripped off clean when it comes to managerial swaps and squad turnover, I hope this new group of players is given the time to heal our club. I want to give Potter time but I've no evidence to believe he can save us. I don't like the word save there, Brett, because it's sounding a bit as if it's all over, but I think you're right. Kind regards, Brett from Tallahassee. Uh, yeah. There were songs called it, Lassie, Lassie from Tallahassee. Was that a Scots song? She's a Lassie from Tallahassee. Scots I've, song? No, I've, no, no, I don't know. That, Wasn't that, that like, She's a Tory from Tabermory? I think that could be... Um, uh, that kids program, isn't it? What, what's the what's the story? The Wombles, Balamori. What's the story at Balamori? I don't know. Um, no, no, but it's it's not Donald. Where's your trousers? Just bloody Brigadoon. Yes, yes. Uh, Andy, uh, Andy Stewart. Do you remember him? I do vaguely. Yeah, Brett. Yeah. We broadly agree with that email. I think that's official. We can both say that. Um, Right, this is from Mark Kayford. Uh, to Chidge and guests, excuse my dyslexia. Just a thought, and before I start that thought, I'd like to say I gave up, have given up on Potter after the Southampton game. 
I was uh, I was prepared to give him a chance until then, but now I think unless a miracle happens, I don't think I'll change my mind. Here's my thought, though, and a tiny bit devil's advocate to my own thoughts stated above and hypothetical. What if Lampard never managed us before and was given the job instead of Potter at the beginning of the Bowley reign? Would we, the Chelsea supporters, dickheads on Twitter not included, give him more time? Uh, we, we yeah, absolutely. We would def we definitely would have scored more. I'm 42, been a Chelsea fan all my life, and the Lampard time was by far the most fun I've had as a Chelsea fan. It wasn't always great, but it was fun, and I was a thousand percent behind him. Maybe they should have just given Emma Hayes the job. I would have backed her. On a side note, I started listening to the fan cut. I'm going to sneeze. Sorry. <coughs> Bugger me. <sighs> On a side note, I started listening to the fancast when I moved out of London and found myself with some commute time in the car. I tried others. They were shit. As I listened to Sorosian Law. Oh, you know how to get on our side, Mark. As I listened, it became like a comforting pair of shoes. I had moved to Winchester four years ago. But, but Mark, you're in Winchester. You're in my manor. Why didn't you say? Uh, anyway, like the rest of London, and to hear it mentioned, just added connection. Uh, then yourself and JK just remind me of people I used to work with at the BBC back in the heyday. <laughs> this is old school TV loveys presenting a show about the great CFC. Perfect. Love the show. Oh, dear, Mark. I fear you have rumbled us both hugely. Uh, oh, well. Utterly brilliant. Thanks, Mark. Uh, sorry, thanks, Mark. Twitter at Mark Cayford. Uh, Mark Kayford DP. I wonder if that means director of photography. It might do. Mark, a brilliant email. I really love that. And obviously because you were blowing smoke up our derriere, which always uh, is enough to, to satisfy me. Mark, if you're in Winchester, you and I need to meet up for a beer. Seriously, very soon. I will follow you on Twitter and we will make it so. All right. Brilliant email. Love that. Good. Um, Dave Moore, dear Chidge and JK. And potential guests. No, just the two of us. Just the two of us. What's that one? Building castles in the sand. It's just in the, the sand! <laughs> oh, it's your friendly, not-so-local cow milker down under again. Uh, just listen once again to your in-off-the-post cast, where a lot of the talk was about the statistic and analytical nature of our recruitment both of the players and coaching staff, namely Potter and Co. While stats and data absolutely should be something considered, the fact we're signing players from other leagues that are miles apart in terms of pace and quality from the Premier League is somewhat concerning. Just because a player completes a certain amount of progressive passes or whatever other bollocks terminology people want to quote in the French, Italian, Ukrainian leagues, doesn't necessarily translate to them being as influential in our hugely competitive and fast-paced league. Furthermore, whilst this approach might work well in baseball, which is a much smaller pool of players, mostly playing in the same league as only the Yanks play it, simply doesn't translate to football or soccer, as they call it. Similarly with Potter, Brighton is a completely different kettle of fish to Chelsea and Champions League football. On a completely separate note, I surprised my family by coming home for Christmas and actually managed to get my hands on a pair of tickets for the Bournemouth game at the bridge, which means the old man and myself bared witness to something that seems to be as rare as rocking horse shit, a Chelsea win 
and a couple of net ripples. Aha, a couple of net ripples, a couple of nice fish. Oh, no, gold. Look forward to hearing you discuss the points I've made. Wish you both all the best. Up the Chelsea. Dave Moore, now aged 30 years and 363 days. That means it must be your birthday, well, Dave. It, it, it's, it's been and gone, mate, because he would have written this uh, probably last week. So, Dave, happy birthday for last week. So he's 31 now. He it's is. all downhill, Dave. All downhill from now on. Mind you, it was once you got to 21, it was all downhill, mate. So, yeah, so you're, you're, on the, you're on the journey. For us, we're back up again, aren't we, Chidge? Once yeah, you get, we're, we're in prime condition, mate, you and me. You get, you get to 50, then everything becomes, the steak becomes tenderised. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, I like that. Didn't you like that one? Nice, very yeah, nice. Yeah, I, I, I broadly agree with his, his, his... Do you know what? He makes a good point there about uh, other leagues. I mean, we've seen it time and time again, haven't we? Yeah, you yeah. know, the players coming over from Germany who tore the Bundesliga apart and then come here and don't look like they can do it. Same with the French, same with the Italian. Koulibaly is a good example, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, of course, I've had this theory for a while, JK, haven't I? I was a bit bit grumpy about... I mean, I did think we played well against Dortmund, but I think it was more of an indictment about how shit the Bundesliga is. Yeah. I mean, I think if you look at the Champions League, there's maybe about four good teams in it. I mean, exclude the English teams. I mean, you know, Bayern Munich, they're, they're good. Real Madrid, they're good. I mean, who else is there? Nobody springs to mind. No. I mean, apart from the English teams. You know, why do the English teams get there or thereabouts most seasons? I think the Premier League is far and away better, more competitive, tougher, harder than any other league in the world. More athletic, certainly. Yeah, definitely. We've got some of the best players in the world here, without a doubt. There's more money. I mean, it's, and I think, I, think, I think in a way, I hate to say this because it sounds a bit wanky, really, but... I think the Champions League now is is not what it used to be in terms of competition. I really don't think that. And I think I think, and that, I mean, you know, if the we don't need to evidence this, we know as Chelsea supporters, I think the Premier League is much harder to win than the Champions League by a long stretch. And it never used to be the case. No. Well, that's because they only had the winners, didn't they, taking part? Well, I think I think in the seventies and the eighties when we grew up watching the European Cup, it was very different. And the main difference was exactly that. A, a, you had genuinely the champion, so you would have thought that made it tougher. But in reality, that wasn't the case. Because again, you had maybe four or five good leagues. And it was basically, you had to win six games. You know, and you would, you would unless you were very unlucky, you would, you would be drawn a few minnows early on. So you would maybe, if you were, if you were really unlucky, have to play three good teams. Which, of course, is why Liverpool won it every year, because it was easier. No, I don't know. I mean, the reality is it's a, it was a very different competition then. It was like the FA Cup, but a, a kind of a slightly smaller version uh, in terms of, you know, the number of uh, of knockout rounds. Yeah, they played less games, didn't they? And much less games, you know. And as I said, I think, I think you know, the Italian League was good then, the Spanish League was good then, the German League was good then, the well, Dutch... No cross-fertilisation at no, all, was it? No, so, but, I mean, the English League, the Dutch League, the Italian League and the German League, I think that's what I said, wasn't it? Were, were basically all pretty good. So, you know, as an English team, you know, you had... You, you, if you avoided one of those teams and you were you were, you were going to do well... Anyway, we could conjecturise this for, until the cows come home. See what I've done there, Dave? But we're not going to milk it anymore. 
we're going to read another email instead. And this one is from somebody we heard from last week as well. Wesley Feist, JK. Evening, yeah. Chidge, JK and guest. Uh, let's be honest. This man is a moron. Uh, Wesley, that's no, that's no way to talk about JK. He's a friend I of know, mine. Not I know. Fair. That's really below yeah. the belt, mate. Uh, let's be honest. This man is a moron when it comes to team selection and game uh, management not, and not shape. Me, no, no, no. It's Potter, mate. It's Potter. He may have uh, a high emotional intelligence, but his football IQ is non-existent. Let's start with the eleven with Ruben and Ziyech. Firstly, what the fuck does he see in Ziyech? Since his January failed move away. He somehow keeps starting and is the worst player on the pitch every time. I, I love Ruben and I've always wanted him to come good, but he's just not good enough to play at this level. The shape is all wrong. There's not even a shade of tactics. When you have Chilwell and Reese, who only overlapped a handful of times in this game, clearly that has to be tactical instruction from him. Enzo is not a six and should be played as an eight. My analysis of this game and Potter in general is that it now mu- it now must come to an end for him. Nothing more to say on this shame of a manager. On the bright side, at least it wasn't 3-0 like Tony predicted. Cheers, Wesley. Well, indeed. There's only one away, Chidge. Yeah. yeah, Tony was getting excited. He thought he was going to get a prediction right. He did. Not only did I think he may have put a bet on it. Did he really? I didn't I didn't know he'd gone that far. I don't know. You, may have, but you seem very convinced about 3-0. And looking back, we were foolish, weren't we, to say 1-1? Yeah, yeah. I know. Nil. I went nil-nil. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, Wesley. Keep them coming. Good stuff. Uh, number seven, George Spencer. Dear Chidgy and JK, likely no guest, as this will probably be in Off the Post Part 4. You are not wrong, George. You are spot on, in fact. Um, whoever wrote Things Can Only Get Better obviously wasn't thinking of Chelsea in 2023. There's a scale of how many points we should take off Esquerisk. Asterisk ours per season. Six is what we must always aim for. Four is a good fallback option. Three is acceptable as long as they didn't defile our hallowed turf. Two is understandable as long as there's a sweetener, such as rendering their title challenge. Tafu bar. Um, uh, Tafu bar change? Well, fubar, fubar is fucked up beyond all recognition. Indeed. I don't know what tar is. That's all right, fucked up beyond no, whatever. Anyway, um, I, however, uh, number one, however, doesn't cut it. And thank God, naught has, hasn't been scored since who knows when. Once again, we played some good football, but like Winchester City back in January, good football alone doesn't win matches. At the end of the I don't think we played any good football, but little bits. At the end of the day, it's whoever has the bigger number on the scoreboard. Yes, that does work. So that's another match of the day sacked off. Speaking of match of the day, RIP Motti. Like James Alexander Gordon, he was a voice of football to generations. There's little to convince me Potter is not out of his depth, as we seem to wilt when Oliver Skip scored less than a minute into the second half. I certainly do not condone sending people death threats, but I'm not going to take any responsibility for the actions of people on the other side of the world, especially when condemning it is likely to be jumped on as an admission of guilt. Fortunately, things have been going somewhat better closer to home, with Winchester City developing a habit of late goals. Are you up to this, Chinch? You know this. Firstly, on Tuesday night, when JK, was it IK? IK Hill secured all three points against Yate. And on Saturday, when Warren Bentley's penalty salvaged a point from a lacklustre performance at Hartley Whitney to move City seven points clear of the relegation zone with 10 matches to go. Looks unlikely they'll go down then. Uh, up until next time, up the Chelsea, George Spencer. 
Well, we'll see about that. You don't know Winchester City, JK. What I would say, George, always lovely to hear from you. We still need to have that beer. I say it every week. Uh, I just want to say one thing about uh, Allsford legend Warren Bentley, uh, who I think is probably the progeny of people I went to school with who were also called Bentley. Um, but he was a brilliant player for Allsford Town, the Magpies, until Winchester City nicked him by offering him more money, I suspect. But he is a legend. Well done, Warren. There you go. Good player too. Good striker. So, uh, from George Spencer to Neil Spencer. Blimey, there's uh, there's something going on tonight. Who knew? Uh, information classification general. Dear Chidge, Sir Jonathan and... I out- say. Yeah, Sir Jonathan. I say. Yeah. And outstanding guest. No guests tonight. Uh, I feel compelled once again to make contact. Though in all likelihood, I won't add any deep and valuable context to your analysis. Therefore, this is probably more like email therapy for me. A few short weeks ago, I was taking the seemingly mature and new Chelsea view that's long term and believing that maybe the owners really do see much more than I do. However, given what we continue to see week in and week out, I wonder how much longer the face saving can last. I agree with you all. No knee jerk reactions are likely, certainly not before Dortmund's visit to SW6. However, given this prolonged period of no consistency, no obvious plan and most tellingly absolutely no goals... Even the most ardent supporter of geography teachers everywhere would have to wonder if we haven't somehow become masochistic in our approach. Indeed, maybe that's the plan that seemingly none of us can see. It's to pay large sums of money and then take beating after inglorious beating. In all seriousness, though, one of the parts of your Friday night show that I like the best is the team selection. Oh, 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 music to my ears, Neil. I love it. Uh, okay, there's the, the reason why is because it's rubbish. No, no. The reason why is that for the most part, your teams are consistent. Oh. No, 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 no. Oh. You've missed out. I can't even see the little Sabutio man. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yes, 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 yes. I'm sorry. I should, I'm sorry. I shall read that again. Because uh, it's my little bit there. I know, I know, I know. You're so needy. In all seriousness, though, one of the parts of your Friday night show that I like the best is the team selection. And I can't even see the little Sabutio men that JK enjoys so much. The reason why that for the most part your teams are consistent and generally a selection of the best players sign him up for manager chidge for manager right now yeah i feel us all out there in podcast land nodding along saying yes chidge we absolutely agree consistency is king and didn't we win lots of trophies with that basic fundamental idea so i no longer second guess myself i no longer believe that the footballing brain of potter is considerably smarter than we all are And surely, if I lost faith in coaching, tactics and selection, a number of the players have also. My fear grows with each passing week that he'll make great players average, and I think we're already seeing that, and eventually drive them away. I fear that might be true. He can't, though, if they've all got eight-year contracts. Well, I know. We have the semblance of a league-topping squad, and yet it's being completely squandered. I watched the Spurs match and, like everyone else, was continually appalled by the ongoing backwards and sideways nature of modern Chelsea. Even when runs were being made, we're so conservative that it seems we'd rather keep possession as opposed to being even a little adventurous. Has this coach forgotten what the game is about? I couldn't give a shit about modern tactics. We have players capable of making runs, taking crosses, getting into the box, etc, etc. And yet the 43 passes to nowhere seems to be where the smart thinking is. How many times did James or Chilwell blast forward and cross it in today? I'm not none. sure. None. There you go. I'm not sure they did once. Have they decided not to do it anymore or is it being coached out of them? 
Sorry, this is nothing new. I'm preaching to the choir and having watched Chelsea since the late 70s, I know, just like you do, that we're better than this. And whilst pundits and punters insist that it'll all come good soon, how much of this utter dross do we have to consume before somebody straps on some balls and makes the right decision? Thanks, boys. Appreciate you being a receiver of my complete annoyance. Having said that, all that, I'll always love the boys in blue. So now and forever, up the Chelsea! Connecticut, Neil. I love that email, Neil. That was utterly fabulous. Uh, largely because I seem to come out of it rather well. You came out of it brilliantly, Chidge. Yes. And I agree completely about um, uh, uh, the business of him observing James and Chilwell doing nothing. And of course, that carries on with what we were saying about why not play three at the back with two wing backs, you know, which that appears to be something that he doesn't want to do anymore. Um, and indeed, how much of this utter dross do we have to consume before somebody straps on some balls? Um, it is observing the dross. And uh, it's very difficult if you've been watching, you've been watching, you know, as, as long as we have, obviously. And uh, it's so difficult watching when you think, I'm paying money to watch this shit. Yeah. I see, I've never really bothered about the whole... I mean, I know you pay a lot more than me, so that's fair enough. But, you know, I think you pay your money, it takes choice, really. And I don't well, think I it's... It's because I'm an, uh, I, you know, I, I try and be an entertainer in my in my world. Yeah, but I, I've never, I've never subscribed. Well, I mean, I, I know you try and be an entertainer, and you you are very entertaining. But I've never subscribed to the view that football is entertainment. Football is football in my book. You know, I mean, I, I mean, if 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 they if they defended with you know thirteen players behind the ball and it came off somebody's ass in the last minute, I will go away i'll go home just as happy as i did if i see, see them play like marad you know 11 maradonas and score 15 goals you know i like winning yes i like winning as well that's what but gives me the horn at the same time uh, not um, entertainment I, if i want to be I, I entertained i'll go to your you know rudy v shows or the cinema or something like that it's true i don't know i well, i suppose one always wants an element of i know perhaps it's the it's the male aspects isn't it it's the competition it's yeah. hitting yourself against another effort uh, yeah it's it's effort and then with a bit of skill and and the thing is that i think we've all played it that's the thing as well we, we've enjoyed that buzz of being of scoring and doing something good and beating a player or getting a good shot in or beating the goalkeeper or just applying a decent pass nothing like we, cracking one off on a saturday mate oh hey hey yeah as long as it doesn't interfere with um, or curling one out on a sunday yeah with doesn't indeed yeah curling one across surely yeah but out as well yeah yeah Cracking one in. I think we've got a little problem with the prepositions here, haven't we? With oh. the... <laughs> yeah. Get you, matey. Listen, there's another point in that, actually. And I, I feel like I'm, I feel compelled to respond to this wonderful fluffery from uh, from Neil. But oh, uh... keep keeping the image going, Chidge. I love it. Uh, okay, I know. I'm sorry. I thought you might have missed that one. Um, I have no idea whether I know anything about football or not, really, to be honest. But I do remember when I worked, uh, when I series produced an entire load of shows for the 2006 World Cup. And I had a lot of uh, ex-players. Funnily enough, I was very biased towards ex-Chelsea players on the show. And I used to sit with Ray Wilkins in the green room watching a couple of World Cup matches before we all went on air. And, you know, I'd get Ray a bottle of wine because he liked a bottle of Montepulciano. And we'd sit there watching the football. And I, you know me, I can't shut up. So I'd be sitting there talking to Ray and getting into the football, completely oblivious of the fact I was sitting next to Ray Wilkins, which I suppose was something... And uh, Ray actually turned around to me and said, he said, David, um, you, you know your football, son, don't you? You know your football. 
And I, and I, and I, I mean, you know, I, that's probably the best thing that anybody's ever said to me, actually. That Ray Wilkins, who really did know his football, I mean, maybe he was just being nice, actually. That would be very typically Ray, wouldn't it? I'll never know, sadly. I'll never know. Um, now, listen, quick uh, couple of plugs before we go to a break. Uh, there are people yet to be discovered in the Amazon rainforest who know that I shall be uh, sleeping under the East Stand on the 25th of March, Saturday, 25th of March, all in aid of a very good charity. It's the Big Stamford Bridge Sleepout 2023. Um, it is in aid of the Stoll Foundation, who are our next-door neighbours, and they look after... Uh, veterans uh, from the armed services who have fallen on hard times, who are homeless, who've got mental health issues or just ill. And uh, they do a bloody marvellous job housing these guys. Uh, so they deserve our support. So if you can uh, put your hand in your pocket and pull out some shrapnel and uh, magically, virtually send it to my Just Giving account, I will be eternally grateful. The place to go is justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash David hyphen Chigi one. And... Uh, for those of you, and I suspect there's probably a handful, at least maybe three, who are saying, but but Chidge, if you're doing the sleep out at Stanford, which how how can you do the tales from the shed, from the you know, from the fire pit with whiskey and cigars? Fear not. I shall be pre recording it from the fire pit a week or so before, so that those who are there, because we're gonna have T V monitors under the stand, they can be watching that. That'll put them to sleep, if nothing else will. And uh, they'll be going out on the Twitter in the usual places. So I'll still be doing that. Uh, and at this point, I'd just like to give a shout-out to the uh, uh, Chidge Big Stamford Bridge Sleepout. Maybe I should call it the Big Stamford Chidge Sleepout Roll of Honour. Uh, and they are Loz Barnes, Caroline Walters, Tony Skeen, David Lotzer, Carol Hope, Philip, Daryl Middleditch, Trey Bertelson, Pierre, Chad Harris, Brian Justman and Benji. You are all absolute legends, especially Caroline. Uh, who has been unbelievably generous. I mean, I nearly wept when I saw what she donated. Caroline, you are just, you're a superstar. I mean, what can I say? If I ever get to see you, I'm going to give you a massive kiss and a hug for doing that because it was wonderfully generous. Uh, now, on, uh, on other matters, uh, in fact, this Sunday, this very Sunday at half past two slash three o'clock, uh, the Chelsea Fancast and the Troubadour presents... An afternoon with Paul Canners Cannaville. Oh, yes, indeed. Um, as you know, one of our great, great mates on the fancast down the years is Canners, one of our favourite ex-players. Of course, a legend in his own time. I mean, Chelsea's first black player made a horrible, horrible debut, as we know, for all the reasons we know of as well, but uh, fought his way back. Uh, and he'll be our guest. Uh, we've talked to him many, many times, but he is, he is a brilliant guest. He's very funny, doesn't hold back, says what he thinks. Uh, it's this Sunday. I know it clashes with the Conti Cup final. There's nothing we could do about that. But if you're not going to the match, come along to this because you'll get royally entertained by Canners. Me and JK will be with him. Uh, the tickets are 20 quid plus booking fee and they are available at ticketweb.uk. There are still some left, so get on it now. Uh, also, I, if, the, if we don't sell out on the website, we will have tickets available on the door and I will keep you all posted about how many there may be or whether they still are be lovely to get as many of you in there as we can we only have room for about 50 55 so it's a lovely intimate atmosphere um you can have plenty of beer and stuff they've got got a lovely bar there and uh you know we'll be looking back at the leads game from the day before obviously there'll be a live q a with canners and of course you get to meet the great man have a chat with him buy him a beer or in his case a rum and coke and uh and uh, get a photo taken with him and get anything signed. You know how it works. I mean, you know, I can't wait to talk to Canners about the uh, the infamous 
Uh, 3-0 down, 4-3 up. Big Doug Ruby fucked it up game. His Fulham goals, uh, the Brighton game. I mean, he was such a constituent part of that great 83-84 season. Um, so there we go. And he'll have lots of tales to tell. He's very forthright about the, the modern game as well. And he, he's very well connected with a lot of the players there. JK, I am looking forward to it. Well, he's, he's uh, such a good communicator and such a sweet man. And uh, you'll feel the love because there's a lot of love from him. And um, an enthusiasm and passion. And uh, I shall be asking him again about his Fulham goal because he always explains it so beautifully. And I was just right behind him watching through those little hoops when every away, every ground appeared to have those fences just built by the same designer, which are those little metal fences with it all inter, inter, intercut with each other, but were little hoops. And my little face was just watching the goal through the little hoops and I was stood in the same place at Fulham. Uh, I used to go to Fulham quite a lot with, uh, with my dad. We went to the blues one week and then uh, Chelsea the next. And we sat in, we either stood in the, uh, um, the enclosure or we'd come out. In fact, I would go to Fulham quite a lot more than, than he would. And uh, or he'd go and stand in the enclosure and I would just stand on the terraces there. But in this particular instance, this was always my position and he just volleyed it in. And he described it. I've asked him several occasions. He always describes it so beautifully. So I should be asking him again. But um, no, it's going to be great. He's really excellent. Really excellent. Me too. Looking forward to seeing Canners. Make sure you come along. Don't miss out, people. They're really, really good. And of course, the other thing is that we don't make anything out of this. It all goes to Canners. Basically, that's the whole point. We we are you know helping to support some... Uh, some wonderful players from Chelsea's past by doing this. And also it's an excuse for us to get together, meet a few of you lot. It's, I mean, what, what's not to like? Get down there. Tickets left. Hurry up. It's only £20. Right, we'll be back in a minute for part two. When you follow a big team like Chelsea, one of the most frustrating things is not being able to get a ticket for the match, especially when it's away and not live on TV in the UK. What can you do? Get updates from your mates? Follow online commentary? Listen to the radio? Let's face it, it's not the same as actually watching the match live, is it? NordVPN have the solution to every football supporter's match day problems when they can't watch the match live. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. It's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. 
Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast, the In Off the Post show, uh, part two. And I am Stanford Jidge, of course, and I'm joined as ever by the erstwhile Sir Jonathan of Kid. Erstwhile means previous. Take two. I'm joined by the wonderful Sir Jonathan of Kid. <laughs> I like that very much indeed. Thank you. In fact, I'm going to use that from now on. There Jonathan go. of Kid. Thank you. Right. Uh, sorry, go on, man. Sorry. Yeehaw. Yeehaw, indeed. Uh, I had fun in the first part. We had some great emails. Much more to come in the second part, starting off, JK, with the lovely Daniel Cabral, who uh, I, I remember fondly. He's been listening to us for a good time. I think I got him a signed uh, Jason Cundy shirt once, but there you go, going back a while. That's well done. Good. I must try and do that as well, get Jace to sign something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Anyway, um, um, I've actually, I've, I've cheated. I've looked at this already, this email, mm. and, and it is, um, it's very clever. It's a very clever, almost spooky rendition of looking at an album and realising that every track refers to uh, it happens this, to be one of my favourite albums as well. So far, yeah, this season so far. So there's something about the uh, uh, the jo uh, Joy Division, as it turns out. Yes. The Joy Division. Moving, I know nothing about pop. They're a band called The Joy Division. It's Joy Division. No, I know, Chidge. I was that's my joke. Okay, sorry. Do I put the voice never, on? Never joke when it comes to Joy Division, man. That's why I said, here is a band called The Joy Division in a voice, meaning I knew nothing about joy division but jidge okay take two for me too <laughs> <laughs> even though because my joke failed miserably um after watching chelsea i decided to calm my nerves listening to joy division i've realized the 1979 album unknown pleasures sums up this season the first song being disorder in which i feel every time i see the team sheet the chemistry between Felix, Havertz, Mudrick has been great. Why are they not starting together or finishing a game together, at least? They had a great performance against Dortmund, but Potter decided to put Mudrick on the bench, then on the field. My favourite song, my favourite song, New Dawn Fades, relates to our transfers in January. Supporters thrill with our signings. The turnaround we as supporters are hoping for. But as time passes by and February soon will be behind us, our dawn has faded. And lastly, like the last song in the album, I remember nothing. Sorry, I remember nothing is how I've felt this season. Not remembering what a win, a draw or even a goal feels like. Maybe by the end we'll get going and maybe Potter will put together the right potions. Until then, I wait for those unknown pleasures. Daniel. You see, you see, album as metaphor, yeah. clever, by the, the Joy Division. It's not the Joy Division. Anyway, uh, Daniel, it's very, i tell you what, this is spooky because um, Daniel wrote this after the Spurs game. And while I, when I'm, when I'm at home watching the game, I jot down a few notes, which I wouldn't do if I was at the game, obviously. And uh, I, I always try and come up with a title, which often changes depending on what's happen, happening in the game. And uh, I was thinking throughout, I was going to call call uh, last Monday's show Joyless Division. And then Daniel's email came in and I thought, oh, I can't, I can't do that. He's, 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 he's beating me to it. So there you go. Anyway, next, e well done, Daniel. Lovely to hear from you, mate. Uh, next email, James Yu. Hello, esteemed hosts of the Chelsea Fancast. I don't know who he's referring to there, but clearly not us. 
Um, I suspect that there will be a load of emails this week. I was one of the ones that wanted Tuchel out. <gasps> no. But I didn't expect it to be this way. Tuchel did a lot of whining, but Potter has a new excuse ready every week. Club must have hired a great PR firm for him. Even though he admitted that it was his fault this week, he also used a rival and a documentary as an excuse. How embarrassing and pathetic. I can't wait until early summer when the club announces that they made a mistake. Always enjoy the show, James. I like that. Short and to the point, JK. Next. Uh, Caroline Walters. Who you wish to kiss and hug. I do, because she was so generous, mate. Honestly, craziness. Chidge and JK. I've been meaning to email for several months, but I've lacked the desire oh, to log into email and get to typing. Sounds a bit like the team on the field lately. I really feel like Potter doesn't know what to do. Bowley is oblivious. The players just don't care. And so why should I? I haven't been this depressed since 2015-16 when my dad was dying of prostate cancer and Chelsea were in 10th place. I fear this year will drop even further. I don't think you're wrong, Caroline. I've been a Chelsea fan since the 90s, though until we got regular coverage in the US on TV, I would follow, um, I would follow as I could between working full-time and doing postgraduate work. It was hard to keep up. My dad grew up in Gloucestershire and shared his love for football with me. He was a referee here in the US, as was I was in my teens and early 20s for youth, high school and college soccer. We're two brains alike, two minds thinking similarly. He took me to my first World Cup match in Annapolis in 1994. My dad made me a Chelsea fan. Jerry, dad, was an Arsenal fan, by the way. <laughs> I know. He told my leader to choose a team. He really wanted me to choose Arsenal, but didn't like the red outfits. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, never liked me. Never liked the red outfits. Never liked red. We watched an FA Cup final in the 1990s where Chelsea were playing that other red team, Man U. And I said, I like the blue. Chelsea lost. I guess I started my Chelsea love affair in sorrow. 94. Dad said Chelsea was a girls team. What? Fighting talk. So that sealed the deal. And I became a lifelong blue. I miss our friendly verbal sparring over football these days. He'd be over the moon with Arsenal this season and be reminding me how Chelsea was a girls team. Well, Chelsea have got a very good girls team, just to say. I started listening to your podcast this year, um, finding JK's fan bite on Twitter, then figuring out about podcasts. I know I listen to several others. Woo! But the fan cast is my favourite. My, my favourite, it says here, which I quite like. I love the idea of sitting in a pub with a pint talking about the match with my mates. I have one Chelsea mate, Jenny. She lives in Derbyshire, UK. We DM each other during all the matches. We often share JK's fan bite as he confirms our thoughts. We're not happy with the current situation, but agree that maybe a project is good for Chelsea. It is time to rebuild. No, Things haven't yeah. Yeah, things haven't been great for several years. The manager revolving door created all signs of crazy with the team. Oh, but we kept winning though. This is a trouble, Caroline. Maybe it's time. We're not we're not sure Potter's the right manager for this. Although he's a nice guy and we like him, we've no solutions for the problems. It all seems too big. I've been to three Chelsea matches, but never to the bridge. I did visit several years ago and did a tour and visited the mega shop. I dragged another UK friend with me who hates football. She was a good egg during the entire trip. I've seen Chelsea twice here in the US. 2019 in Massachusetts, this last summer in Charlotte, NC. Both times my 81-year-old mother came with me. She always supports the other team, although she did sing the Chelsea song, Blues the Colour, with me. I also saw Chelsea play Spuds in an FA Cup semi in 2017 at Wembley. 
like visiting Mecca. Chelsea won going on to the final and then losing to the red team. I hope that in the next few years, Jenny and I can meet up at Stamford Bridge for a match and watch Chelsea win. I often listen to the fan cast at night when I'm having dinner or a drink. Thank you for making me laugh and hearing your thoughts. I sometimes feel like I'm sitting in the pub with you up the Chelsea. Caroline Walters, Blue for Life. Oh, sweet mail, lovely. Lovely, and thanks for finding my fan bite. Apparently, I'm not putting it in the right places at the moment, so I'll uh, I'll put it further apart, further up and around. Um, I think that's a fantastic story your dad say. Um, you need to get a team, and then, and then you get a, get a Chelsea, he's an Arsenal fan. But, uh, um, oh, that must. I wonder how often that happens. Rarely, I would say, because so many fathers so keen for their offspring oh yes more to it sorry crozet virginia usa ps jk yes i was thinking about cheese a lovely stilton with some branston pickle on cream crackers lol um yes i wrote i wrote about cheese on the uh in, in reply to her uh on twitter good stuff i remember um but yeah sweet sweet uh more than sweet i'm being unfair um uh, terrific um Lovely email, Caroline, and uh, we need to get you over here so we can have a beer with you and uh, enjoy your company. And I can give you a kiss and a hug for being so generous, of course. As a huge there. kiss and a hug you're going to give. Can I just say very quickly, the, um, um, the, the problem is, what I feel at the moment is we're, we're having to tune in with both the owners and the manager. And if they're of one mind, we can't, there's no way anything's going to be influenced. In this at all where they're just gonna carry on with potter and uh because they're they they're stats driven and they want to see everybody yeah, there well, is here's some stats we've won yeah. fuck all in the last fucking three months here's a and stat been, for you hey there's i know but you and i don't you know what i mean he if he's gonna say he's gonna say i this is all set up and it'll work then they're not gonna get rid of him uh, all right this is my favorite email of the week uh it's from simon demier when it rains, it potters. Cheers, guys. Keep up the good podcasting as always. Simon. Hey, good. <laughs> Short but sweet. It reminds me of that. There was a brilliant, um, there was a brilliant uh, scene in Sharp, which, of course, I love, where one of the chosen men died and somebody says, uh, I can't remember the guy's name now. Um, he had a strange name. He said, uh, say a prayer. And he says, Yay. I say yay. And that was it. I like that. Short but sweet. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. <sighs> Tate Osborne. Hello, JK Chidge and guest, if this is not in and off the post show. It is Tate. No guest, just asked. I can pretend to be a guest if you like. Shall I be um, Patrick Stewart? Make it so. Um, I felt compiled, compiled, I'm so sorry. I felt compelled to write an email this weekend because, well, deep breath, we just lost to shoddy. Ah, this isn't meant to happen to us. Although we can't say it was surprising. I'm Tate Osborne. And I've only, excuse me, recently started listening to your pods probably three weeks ago now. Well, you're a virgin, Tate. You're just in. Blimey. 
What do you think? What do you think so far? My father, Stephen Osborne, has emailed in a few times recently with his eloquent writing. You're sounding pretty good as well yourself. And I'll do my best. You're doing okay. Don't expect me to reach his standards. I think you're doing well. Writing skills aren't genetic. Well, you're doing all right, considering, you know, you're dissing yourself. You've both already heard a bit about our family's movements to the US, so I won't go into, into depth on that. However, what I will say, even though I haven't been Stanford Bridge for about 12 years, this is by far the most dejected, disconnected and disheartened that my now dour disposition has been in supporting our now desolate Chelsea. Look, dejected, disconnected, disheartened, disposition and desolate. And you telling me you don't write as well as your dad? It's remarkable how grim it's gone, considering our last gaffer was most uniting, cheerful and my personal favourite Chelsea gaffer, Mr T.T., I'm currently in the final stretch of my university degree over in the United States. So I'm juggling my coursework, part-time job, whilst also job searching to kickstart my career for after I graduate. Safe to say, it's all quite stressful. Somehow though, watching Chelsea in the weekend mornings probably stresses me out more than all of that. <laughs> yes, I can relate to that. Potter truly is magic. Anyway, that match versus Spuds truly was abysmal. The match was a perfect demonstration of the Pitiful Potter pantomime. Your alliteration is wah. We looked decent for the first 10 or 15 minutes before going into a dry lull for the remainder of the half. Firstly, I must complain about the referee. Yes, he was shit. The dirty spuds were flying into tackles on our forwards and goalkeeper. When Kane body charged Kepper, no yellows. We end up getting the first yellow of the game, though. Classic. I mean, inevitable. Always happens. And it was for Kai. For what, by the way? I agree. I had no idea. A lot of rolling around by the player that he did something to. Uh, then that whole Zayek fiasco. Whatever, though, somehow we ended up the f without a red. I was thinking at the time, come on, let's take advantage of this decision now. In previous weeks, we've not been getting anything to go our way. Finally, we get a decision, so let's capitalise. The lads go into the dressing room for half-time, and the Sean the Sheep farmer, image attached for reference, does his talk. Talk, I said, should have said talk. We come up for the second half, immediately concede. Lovely, what an impact Potter made. And as soon as we concede... I just know the game's lost. This is the trouble, isn't it? I agree with you completely. We just know immediately they're not going to score. We can't score a goal. We're now asked to come back from behind. No chance. Yeah, no chance at all. It's a shame we didn't have any attackers on the bench to spark something. You know, a striker would have been nice since Cly is not nearly is clearly not a number nine. <clears throat> Alba, maybe an energetic attacking midfielder could change the game. <clears throat> Gallica, oh, or you know, if only we had an eighty million rapid winger to run in behind. <coughs> cough, Mudrick. Oh, well, I guess we didn't because Potter decided to bring on a, a CDM in Zakaria instead. A central defensive midfielder. I don't understand his decisions at all. Let me say, I don't want Chelsea to play back three in the long run. However, we need to just get a win. Doesn't matter how right now. When Super Frank was in charge, he played back four mostly, but versus Spurs, he changed to back three and we competed and got results. Mr. TT obviously favoured a back three, but he also had a great record versus them. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but we had a decent run of results back when Potter was first appointed. He primarily played back three in those games, right? Absolutely correct, because he also had, um, he had James playing, didn't he? Let's just win some games and not get relegated. And if we need to use a back three with the personnel we have, then so be it. In the summer, whether it's Potter or not, we can use pre-season to properly transition to a back four if that's the way forward. I think if Potter lasts till the summer, he's going to carry on till the beginning of next season. Um, why is DD not in the squad? Our best attacker versus the Saints was hooked at half-time. They're not in the squad for spuds. 
Why is Zayek starting? He was meant to be out of the door in January. Zayek clearly wasn't in Potter's plans if he was cast to be in eating croissants in Paris with Lionel Messi, but it feels like he's playing the most. Yeah, that is a very strange decision, isn't it? Make it make sense. Perhaps he's training well. I don't know. Why is Wider Wakey not in the squad? He was in the Spurs Academy. He would have personal motivation to beat them. Not to mention, he's looked lively whenever he's played. With Zakaria and Mace coming on, why not go 4-3-3 and play Zakaria as the six and have Maze and Enzo in their favoured positions as eights instead of playing Mace on the wing again? Uh, and I agree completely. He's got to play Zakaria as an eight. Uh, not Zakaria, I'm sorry. He's got to play Fernandez as an eight. This is becoming absolute. Uh, sorry. Um, uh, no, he's a six. He's got to play him as a. He's got to play him further up. You're not. No, he's not got a... to play Zakaria as a six and Fernandez as an eight. That's what I just said. I don't think he did. I did. I said Fernandez is an eight. Well, right, went... somebody write in next week and tell us who I got said, it right. I said Fernandez is an I wish eight. I could and... rewind it and find. And out. you said six. I'm rewinding it now. I said Fernandez is an eight and <laughs> Zakaria. <laughs> Fernandez is an eight. Zakaria is a six. See, that's what yeah, I said. There we go. Perfect. Mate. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, but anyway, he should be playing him there. I don't understand that yet. I was pretty much every fan now. Uh, I'm, I'm done with Potter. If we're not winning, at least show us improvements and progress so we can believe in the project. There's nothing, though. If anything, it's the opposite. Felix's best games for us was first couple of games. I agree. Enzo's first two games were steady. Now he's looking shaky. I agree. Mudrick's best cameo was his debut versus Scum. Uh, he played all right, though, against Spurs when he came on. Every player has deteriorated under Potter's coaching. Can't deny that. And while we can't score a goal, let alone with a game, Potter decides to give the squad three days off in a week leading up to our biggest game of the season. Get him gone. I wanted to back him and trust the process or whatever the buzzword is but i'm sorry i can't when we have a world-class squad there's no progress on the pitch and his interviews are so repetitive and dry it feels like i'm watching the same interview every week well you could actually just um, it's it's almost verbatim word for word oh well it what... is what it is that's life we'll work uh, harder to improve we'll work harder to improve we've got to be positive moving forward um for what it's worth in our last 13 pl games we've got 10 points that form over 38 gets you 29 points, which relegates you in nine of the last 10 seasons. And in four of those nine, you'd finish 20th with 29 points. Potter is doing his best to relegate us with one of the best squads on paper. I'd personally bring in Louis, Louis Henrique A. I don't know why his a, name is a a a a a, 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 I don't know why his name isn't mentioned in the same regard as Poch and Hansi Flick when people discuss potential replacements. Henrique, a a a won the treble at Barcelona. Yes, I know he had probably the best front three ever in MSN. They scored 122 goals between the three of them in 2014-15 and had a total of 189 goal contributions between the three in that season. Those numbers are ridiculous. Obviously, you have to credit the individual excellence of each of those players. Indeed, you do. But come on, you can't tell me Enrique a, a, couldn't get a front three of Mudrick, Felix and Sterling firing good point not sure about sterling though oh, anyway pulisic's back soon whoop, whoop, whoop. oh fucking happy oh. days eh <laughs> yes uh, and by firing i mean the standards are low right now i'd take one bloody contribution right now and if Enrique did that it'd be one more than potter my point is Enrique knows how to win set up a team to possess the ball and create chances to score in the recent world cup he coached spain they had arguably one of the worst Spanish squads they've had in recent decades. 
They started an Aspie and Jordi Alba as full-backs, so both passed their best. Very true. He had to play Rodri as a centre-back. Their attack consisted of Morata, Olmo and Asensio. They scored seven versus Costa Rica and went out to Morocco. Had an exceptional tournament. This was somebody playing rather well uh, called Zayek. Um, I'm not saying uh, Enrique, the perfect, perfect manager. I think he'd fit, have some fire in him. He's a manager you can keep for a few years. It's what the owners seem to want to do. Hansi Flick would be exciting, but it's not likely considering Germany hosting the next Euros. I doubt he'd step down from that opportunity. And Poch, well, no thanks. Bottle job in my eyes. We've seen under Potter that coaches have a level. Poch isn't Chelsea's standard for me. Has never excited me. Not to mention his surname begins with P. <laughs> We've only ever had two managers with a P surname. Those two managers have the lowest win percentage in club history. Ian Porterfield with 31%. Graham Potter with 29.4%. Well observed, uh, well observed, Tate. Um, so no potch, please, heck, please, heck, who says no to a third Mourinho spell? I do! No, no, no! Um, not much else to say, really, except, well, the next three games are crucial for Potter, right? Well, we've been saying that every next three games. He's lost them all. We said that before Dortmund away, when the games were Dortmund, Southampton, Spurs. Well, we lost all three and didn't score a goal. Up the Chelsea, Tate. Good mail, Tate. Well done. Yeah, he raises. Do you know what? He raises some really interesting points which we haven't really uh, discussed on on the main show at all yet. And that's, uh, you know, what happens if they do get rid of Potter, and and who who would they get in? And excuse me, got bloody hiccups. Um, and if they did, it, you know, the fact they hired Potter makes me very worried about their their judgment as a potential replacement. Um, and I think he's. I think you make an excellent point there, Tate, about Porterfield and Potter, which is why I've often called Graham Potter Graham po Potterfield. We could we could call uh, Pochettino Maurizio Pottertino, maybe. Or we could call him um, Maurizio Blanchettino. Well, I don't think it'd be that bad. Yes, you're right. Danny Blanchflower has the worst Chelsea win record as a manager, by the way. But that was pre Premier League, before football was invented. Um. Yeah, it's really odd, isn't it? Who I mean, we were talking about Nagelsmann the other day because he's managed Bayern Munich. Maybe there's a there's some mileage in that if he wants to leave them. Mourinho, his his name is being banded around. Apparently, he says he'd like to come back for a third spot. I've got to say, J.K., I don't think I would be very keen. No, I really don't. I think he I think he blotted his copy, uh, you know, copy book irretrievably the last time he was here he was i mean I, I mean okay you know what maybe to be fair we all know that there were extenuating circumstances in that he, he'd lost his father he'd lost the plot and he was an absolute piece of shit while he was here and he upset everybody but maybe his head wasn't right but i, I don't think his track record really s cries out that he was the manager that he was with us you know when we first had him so i, I you know and he's such an abrasive character he certainly won't pick the youth so I just wonder if I just don't see it really myself. Do you know who I if, if we were going to have a bit of a retread? Do you know who I would go for, J.K.? Uh, Sam Allardyce. No, a retread. Somebody who's managed us before. Oh, um, uh, Avram Grant. That's right. I would get uh, Avram Grant or A.V.B. No, of course I fucking wouldn't. No, Carlo Ancelotti, who of course <laughs> was sacked way before he should have been in the in the worst fashion possible. I mean, it's bad enough being sacked by Ron Gourlay under any circumstances because the guy was a tit. But to do it in the bloody, you know, tunnel at Everton. That was a, that was a, um, 
what do you call it a wrong story he didn't he did it um he did it i think uh, the following morning never so. let the truth get in the way of a good story, good story. Yeah. but the bottom line is carlo went before his time he's proved beyond all doubt but i mean he went to everton and then fucked them off because he wanted to go to real madrid who would blame him but he's won everything in the game he's the most trophied champions league winning manager of all time he's he's a, he's brilliant he's also I mean, his, the respect the players would have for him would be off the scale. He's uh, he won the double for us when he when he was here before, so he knows how to win the Premier League and the and the FA Cup. Um, he will play youngsters. I don't think he's just a, a Galacticos manager. That was his downfall, though, when he played the youngsters. No, his downfall was that for some fuck. Well, his downfall was basically. It all stemmed in the November, didn't it, when Roman was interfering and coming in the dressing room and Ray Wilkins was rather upset with that and vocalised it. He lost Ray, and I think I think something snapped at that point. But he should never have been fired. He was class, period, all the way through. Completely wonderful manager, but he did... One of the games, he lost 3-0 to Sunderland, and he played um, uh, one of the youth at fullback. Um, uh, yeah, but JK, one I match... No, I know that there were a couple of others where he played youth and we lost. Yeah, but, but I think, you know. No, 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 I'm not, I'm not, I'm not finding a reason to sack him. I'm just giving you the example. Every manager of, we've had has had a stinker once or the, twice the, a season. It, it, I agree, but it gave the club the fuel to dismiss him for some reason that will be unknown to us because he was brilliant. Yeah. I agree completely. However, they had these shitty games and... Um, Kenyon at the time, I think, was after perfection, as we've established. And uh, um, who was the next manager? I can't even remember. Um, whatever happened immediately after that, they, they obviously had somebody lined up and the rumblings had been there. And perhaps he'd fallen out with Abramovich. Who knows? But yes, he would be wonderful. We had, we got, didn't we get AVB after Carlo? Uh, yeah, something shit, wasn't it? What would be the chances, Chidge, of getting in Ancelotti, as as slim as my my waist was in 1970. I mean, no, it won't it won't happen unless they decide to offer him an unbelievable amount of money, which he might be lured by to come back. He might be. That would be the only reason he would come back. Un unfinished gonna... business, mate. How about that? Well, could be. You know, I mean, he he. I mean, it's a completely new regime, so there will be no kind of hangover from well I'm not working for you wankers again after what you did to me last time Where's um, his contract? what's his contract at Madrid at I, I, I've heard he's you know it's never very long at Real Madrid let's face it I'm, I'm pretty sure there were rumblings of, uh, of of him maybe going at the end of this season I mean I'd have him back as a shot like a shot I really would I mean but I can't you need, to, you need to in a heartbeat I yeah. agree completely. yeah one wonderful manager Wonderful. And wonderful human being as well. I mean, he, he ticks all the boxes. He's not confrontational. He's not yeah. antsy. He's got a good PR image. He's absolutely elite as, as you can be. He's arguably one of the most, you know, he's arguably the, the elite manager in football. Only Pep Guardiola arguably could compete with him in terms of eliteness. But he I mean, is exa exactly the kind of manager that Chelsea should have. I absolutely agree with you. He would be top banana, just won the Champions League again with madrid and is is and was a great player as well and won the champions league with milan didn't he but he not that that was relevant his managerial success has been phenomenal and as you say wonderful man manager sweet man 
with great, great success um, with Chelsea, won the double for fuck's sake. He, for me, would be absolutely perfect to get in. But that's the, like anybody else is, is, you know, what are we doing? We're trying people out again. But I, once again, I will go with this. I honestly think they will not get rid of Potter because he is, he is as new as they are and is part of their novelty, is part of their newness, is part of them trying to find out what the league is like. And that is why he will stay. I'm, they're looking at him and thinking, oh, it's not working at the moment, but, you know, this is all part of what we're attempting to do. If he, if he goes down with us initially, he will come up. I just don't see them having the mentality to say we need someone, you know, a, a completely counter to the way that they're setting up with all this data. And he's come from a data-driven club and they've employed everybody who worked with him. Yeah. Um, I've just found it. I've been desperately scrabbling around to try and find this, what, what Carlo Ancelotti's win percentage was. Uh, Jose Mourinho, Mark 1, 71%, which is insane. Avram Grant, also known as John Terry, Frank Lampard, Didier Drogba and Petr Cech, 67, uh, 69%. I love Avram because Avram had the really good sense and the emotional intelligence to say, you just sort it out yourself, lads. <laughs> you know, which is why it, it remained as it was. Antonio Conte is third with 67%. And uh, Carlo Ancelotti is fourth with 63%. But you know what? 63% is a lot better than 28%. <laughs> Mate, sign him up. Carlo Ancelotti to be Chelsea's next manager gets the Royal Chidge seal of approval. You heard it here first. And the JKs. And no, no, no. I'm, I'm, it was my idea. But I mean, you know, you can come in with me if you want. No, I'll just be contrary and I'll disagree with you. Well, you said Avram Grant, mate. First I of don't all. want that. Do you want me to rewind? Hang on. Yes, I would like. I would like Avram Grant. Is what you said. Mucking about. No, no. I took it seriously, mate. Oh God. Anyway, Tate, that was a cracking email, mate. It provoked quite. I mean, as I said, it provoked a debate about something we haven't really talked a lot about on the show, to be honest. And yes, I think I did. Stephen, someone in this week. I know he's written recently. Anyway, I've got the memory of a goldfish, so forgive me. But keep writing in and keep listening, Tate. And I'm glad you found us. Uh, we've been going for nearly 15 years, so uh, you've got a lot of catching up to do. That's all I can say. Right. Uh, this is from Alex Holmes, who says, The last time I emailed was shortly after Frank was sacked and we were apparently on suicide watch. And now with our latest crisis, I feel compelled to write again. Firstly, can everyone stop with this Tuchel loving? Ooh. Ooh, for 12 months it was magical. I adored that man, but from Christmas until he got the sack, this is going to get my dander up, uh, but from Christmas until he got the sack, the football was dreadful. Everyone was complaining about it. Many were calling for his head. That's simply not true. I not wasn't true one of them. Oh, yeah, no, no, he says I wasn't one of them, but I understood it completely. The only reason the results seemed better during that time than now was down to us being set up so negatively that we inevitably would pick up a result here or there, but the attacking football was non-existent. He dug his own grave as he did at PSG and Dortmund previously. Next with, ne next with Bowley, he is not <laughs> some clueless madman here to ruin the club. Whilst I will agree that I don't think most Americans get football, he doesn't need to. He's a businessman, a successful one at that, and he is looking to create a successful business. People take issue with him apparently appointing himself as director of football at the beginning of the season. It's bollocks. He was doing what needed to be done whilst the club actually took the time to appoint the correct people in the correct positions, something which we had been crying out for for years. Yes, 
Some of the signings in that time are questionable. But if you really think Bowley picked Koulibaly out of the ether, you're clueless. And whilst he clearly is heavily involved with the day-to-day running of the club, everyone seems to be ignoring that there are several people who own significantly more of the club now and several people around him who are significantly more qualified than many we have had in the past at running the club. They have all set the club up for success in the long term and I genuinely do believe it will come. As for Potter and his appointment, I was happy when it first happened. I don't think they were stupid to sign him. I do still hold out hope that it can work. I think there's a good manager in there, but he's been swallowed up by the magnitude of the job he now has. Results are shit and the performances are worse, but the lack of any clear improvement is the most worrying thing about his managerial tenure. So I would understand if they pulled the trigger. Anyway, keep the faith. The good times will return. And thank you for continuing the show, come rain or shine, up the Chelsea, Alex. Well, Alex, <clears throat> clears throat in anticipation. I, I take issue with one or two things in this, but I agree with the general tenet of the email. Um, was the football dreadful under Tuchel? Well, yes, there was a bit of you know sideways, backwards passing, and it was a bit defensive, but it, it, it was effective. I mean, if... if you know, if you go, okay, you need to remember that context is everything. Lukaku stank the place out and and created a canker in the club. That was in November. In December, we lost uh, Reese James. We'd already lost Ben Chilwell. If you remember, up until the Juventus game, we were top of the league and we murdered Juventus. It's playing some of the best football I've seen at the bridge for a long, long time. We lost Chilwell. That didn't help. Lukaku did his interview, which stank the place out. Reese James got in- injured. Kante with his perennial injury. Then uh, we were overloaded with fixtures. We had to play more games than anybody else uh, with an already depleted squad around Christmas time because, of course, we had we were in every competition and the Club World Cup. Uh, we went to the Club World Cup and won it, which is something that we've been itching to do and had never achieved before. Um, then, of course, we were in the caribou cup final the day before uh rome or the day after roman abramovich was sanctioned creating the biggest turmoil i have ever seen at this club and uncertainty we wouldn't have wondered whether we would have a club again but yet tuchel took us to the caribou cup final where you know we only i mean we lost on penalties you don't get closer than that and kepa fucked that one up um we then had the champions league where okay we fucked it up at home because mendy had a brain fart you can't legislate for that and then we hammered them in their own backyard in the replay, only unluckily going out in the quarterfinal against Real Madrid, who eventually won it against Liverpool. We also got to the FA Cup final, where again, I thought we played pretty well, not necessarily negatively. And um, and again, we lost on penalties, which was very unlucky. And we, and we finished top four, which is a prerequisite for Chelsea. All set against the backdrop of a club not knowing whether it was going to be in business, not allowed to spend any money, with Tuchel front and centre... Uh, the public face of the club in the absence of the lily-livered board that we had at the time under an enormous amount of pressure in the process and still, you know, okay, we may have been a bit negative and not particularly attractive, but damn well effective. So I won't have this revisionism. I will not have it. However, I do absolutely agree with your point about about Bowley. Um, You know, the guy has a track record of huge success in business and this is why they're here. They are here to make money. And I don't doubt that they will. 
I, I like you. I mean, when, when we signed Potter, I thought, well, that's a bit left field. But I, I really just don't think he's the man for the job that they've given him to do. And that's kind of being bailed out. And I think you're fairly in agreement with that. I don't have a problem with him, you know, being the director of football when he had to do it. I do think he basically listened to Tuchel, who, who picked some duff ones. But of course, we'll never really know because he didn't really get to manage them, did he? Because they sacked him because for whatever reason, they didn't get on. We don't really know the full story on that, obviously. But I don't have a beef with Bowley um, because I think ultimately, you know, that th- they're only here for one reason, and that's to make the club successful. However, and I and I agree with you entirely what you say. They've they've hired, uh, you know, a lot of staff to, you know, provide something that we've not had before in terms of the recruitment, which is which is smart. Um, they lost Marina. They lost Buck. They lost Padacek. They would have gone anyway. I mean, you you don't stick around to work for a new regime. Unless you're tied to by some sort of a golden, uh, golden goodbye where you have to do a transitionary period, so I don't think you can blame Bowley for that. Um, you can hold him responsible for picking Potter because Potter is out of his depth. It's so flaming obvious, and as you said, I loved you. He's been swallowed up by the magnitude of the job he now has. Well, I think you can translate that he is out of his depth. So we agree with each other there. So in short, Andrew. Um, sorry, Alex. I I think he makes some excellent points, and actually we agree with most of it. But I'm not having the revisionism about Tuchel, to be honest, Jacob. Just not having it. Um, or even the club, generally. The club was unbelievably successful, and batshit the... batshit crazy, but unbelievably successful. Yes, yes. So all of these, you know, it's about time it was all sorted out. I don't go with at all. It was a a way of running the club that. The energy, the perhaps the negative energy, then the positive energy, the bounce back um, in a in a world of of unbelievable competition made the players um, energized and uh, and they came away with trophies. So um, the pattern is we're not used to seeing the team players badly, and I will always use the example of even in the teams in transition as Arteta keeps being given as an example of somebody who was given time. They still played. The, the the goals ratio was better and he won the FA Cup against us in this in the first season and all right didn't do as well subsequently but was slowly but surely building the side but it meant building a side that didn't fall apart and uh and appear to be rudderless which they are at the moment so yes we're in agreement with that but let's not try and make out that Tuchel was awful two cup finals and a Champions League win I'm sorry and, and uh, going through unbelievably difficult times being manager. And let's not make out that any of the trophies won in the 20 years were, were somehow run, were somehow won, uh, well, or obviously amid some kind of chaos, but a chaos run by one man who, uh, who, who somehow got it right. So uh, let's, just, let's just go with it for the moment. And as Potter says, you know, we're, we're having to do it game by game. But, you know, if by the end of the next four games, we still haven't won anything. Um, you really have to doubt the uh, the owner's wisdom. But I, I personally don't think they'll get rid of him at all until until they'll give him next season at the beginning. Because um, Come along, that... come along, come along and sing this song <laughs> with the boys in blue in Division 3. We won't be here for long. Here for long. So, uh, yeah, that will be interesting because it'll be intriguing to go to Stoke and, uh, and Rotherham. More like fucking Port Vale. <laughs> that's when we go down two divisions yeah. is it i'd still go i'd I'd go i'd get an away season ticket if we did that it'd be great fun 
Oh, right. You got one from Mark, from Mark Smith, I think. Mark, Mark emailed us last week, didn't he? Hi, Chidge and Jonathan. Emailing to put context to the last email of mine you kindly read out. I stated I was not looking for Potter to go. Since then, we lost to Spurs, but my stance remains the same. I like it. Stoic, JK. Stoic. Uh, he's, putting, he's putting his heels Stoic. down. Yeah, he's not budging an inch, despite having an enormous weight put upon his shoulders, and then I'll get the pincers out and tickle his pubics. In no particular <laughs> order, my reasons are as follows. Number one, when Tuchel was dismissed, one pundit at least commented, well, that's what Chelsea do, as though the change of ownership and most of the board leaving counted for nothing. Some strange entity, obviously existing, <laughs> drives the removal of managers. Struck him. Just to buck this narrative as pundits and reporters ready themselves to pounce would please me to some extent. I'd rather be winning, though. You and me both. Number two, as I stated in my previous email, I would have preferred Tuchel to have remained. The current situation may be a severe lesson for us, the fans, but a worthwhile for Todd to learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number three, like many fans, I'd often hope we'd stuck with certain managers when the going got tough or recruited one for a long-term project instead of the revolving door policy. That said, you can't argue with the success we had employing such a policy. Absolutely can't, Mark. But the current pain may be what we have to endure. It's just especially hard when we measure it against our successes and harder for those that have never experienced real lows of any kind. Well, I'm not one of them and neither is Chidge. Number four, I think the mitigating circumstances, which are numerous, are also a factor, have been discussed many times already. However, I would just highlight something I read as reason given for Liverpool's recent decline. Apparently, a brain drain is the cause. Well, as a club, we had that in spades on top of a lot, whole lot more upheaval. Number five, much was made of Southampton. Number five, much was made of Southampton having no manager, taking that as red. Are we saying that our players, once on the pitch, are only capable of performing under instruction, have no will and or initiative of their own? I feel sure it was mentioned in a recent podcast that the players appeared to be ignoring Potter. So which is it? Good point. Good point. Yeah, they certainly do. They do. Um, I I mentioned it. I thought that they were they were completely ignoring any of his three moves that he makes: the clap, the the point into the distance, and the stand there with his arm. Yeah, with the point into the meaningless point into the distance and wave of hand that nobody pays any attention to, and uh, and the uh, the arms folded. Um, so uh, yeah, but you know they they wanted the game so much more, didn't they, Southampton? And we were very lily-livered. Anyway, it has been mentioned, it appears we're unlikely to change manager. We have to suck it up and hope lessons are learnt by all concerned. Well, I'm not learning any lessons from it, Mark. Finally, death threats, unacceptable. Absolutely. Don't want so-called fans that see this as a way to behave part of the club. I agree completely. At the Chilts, Mark E.A. Smith. Totally well agree. Totally agree on the death threats. Totally unacceptable, Mark. Very well made point. Good mail, Mark. Good mail. Good stuff. Yeah, he makes some good points there. Very even-handed, Mark. Uh, well done. Why have I got hiccups for fuck's sake? What have I been eating that's giving me hiccups? Honestly, you've you've drunk too. You sucked in too much air. That's, it, that's what it is. Yeah. Well, that's what, what following Chelsea does to you. It, it, it requires you to have a deep intake of breath every so often. <sighs> and you're not prepared. <sighs> Shock. Yeah. Okay. Shock. We have the last email, and do you know what? It's not even an email. No. 
It was a direct message sent to me on the medium of that newfangled invention called Twitter. And it's from the lovely Nicholas Harrison, who, uh, you know, I've been following Nick on Twitter for a long, long time. He's a lovely bloke. And he said to me, he said, Chidge. Actually, he said David. He was very respectful. He said, can you please pass on to JK that he's spot on, as usual, with today's fan bite? Thank you, Nicholas. He even used the word shithousery which I'd use to the chap next to me during the first half. I don't see which way this is going. Is it now, end of the season, or beyond? No glimpses of any promised land. Very true. That's my mood, Nicholas. Um, interesting enough, I've uh, been reading my dad's book, which he wrote in 1973 about being a prisoner of war, and uh, and he uses the word shithousery in his book, um, which... Uh, it's clearly an, a, a word that's been with us for a very long time, but it, it really does sum it up, doesn't it, so much. It's, uh, it's, it's an excellent description of uh, the way that teams seem to play against us and get away with it. It's what I hate so much. Yeah, we don't see any of that from Chelsea. Good way to end the in off the post uh, this week. Well done, Nick, and I hope you're well, mate. He's a voiceover artist as well, by the way, is Nick. So it says on his Twitter bio, you should follow him. You probably know each other. Uh, anyway, that is all we've got time for tonight. JK and I will be back on Friday with the absolutely wonderful, brilliant, legendary housewife's choice, also known as Clayton Beerman, for the preview show, looking ahead to Saturday's match against Leeds and the great breaking news, which I no doubt I will repeat ad infinitum on Friday, is that I am getting the train to London on Saturday and therefore I will be very drunk. Very, very, very drunk all day because I will not have to drive. So for those of you who I've been seeing recently who've been desperate to buy me a pint of a match day and I've had to say, no, I can't really have any more because I've got to drive. To, to Saturday is your chance to, to to have a drink with me properly. So there we are. I can't wait. Uh, oh, yeah, and there's a football match on too, apparently. Anyway, um, if you were... Uh, we've loved your emails. JK, how much have we loved the emails tonight? 100%, Chich. Yeah. 99 and 0.9. Yeah. they've been brilliant we do love doing this show actually jk and I. we've been really warming to it uh if you want your email patreon or instagram post or tweet to be read out on the show then uh, you need to let me have them by the end of the day on sunday uh with the vain hope that we'll read them out on a monday but because so many of you send them in what tends to happen is we store them up and uh, do a midweek in off the post show but don't let that deter you send preferably send them in by email to chelsea fancast at gmail.com but we accept any medium uh, we do and you heard me mentioning patreon if you like what uh, we do you can become a chelsea fancast patron uh, which uh, puts a bit of shekels in the old coffers and helps to kind of keep this thing bumbling along um there's no pressure i mean really really i mean I, i'm not not sitting there with a begging bowl out i do that for the big stanford bridge sleep out but you know this this people said do you have a patreon page i said no they said you should do one because we'd like to say thank you and i said all right and that's kind of what happened but there's no pressure we love you all equally whether you're in patreon or not trust me we really do mean that but if you do want to bung some money our way every month then it's easy you go to patreon.com forward slash chelsea fancast and if you do that uh you will be entitled to a kerry dixon banner uh, which I, I will send to you in the post. And, of course, you can join our Discord group, which is great. Uh, if you've ever listened to this show on Mixler, which is great fun, but I do read the comments. So I don't get a chance to read them out all the time. But you get a load of really good people in there bantering away, chatting to each other about Chelsea and while they're listening to the show. 
Discord is like Mixler, but every day of the week, 24-7. Superb people in there. Uh, so you're welcome to join that if you sign up to Patreon. So there you go. Uh, talking of Kerry Dixon banners, I've got some breaking news. There is a big long queue of people I owe a banner to. I have a very busy life, as you all know. And this is not just a whine and a whinge. Um, but it's true. Um, and it's quite an operation to ship out quite a lot of banners, as you can imagine. I'm having a couple of weeks off over Easter. So I endeavour to put them all in jiffy bags, label them up and then go to the post office and fight the the Brexit rules about how to send things to Ulaanbaatar. But I will do it then. So if you're waiting for one, you'll only have to wait a little while yet because I'm going to try and get them all out to you early April. All right. That's my scouts on a promise. Uh, you can hold me to that and shoot me if I don't deliver. All right. So there you go. Oh, the other thing is, of course, you can follow the show on all the social media platforms at Chelsea Fancast. Jonathan is at Jonathan Kidd and I am at Stanford Chidge, of course. There you go. Another in off the post, signed, sealed, delivered and put in the post box, JK. I love it, Chidge. We need to do more of these. Well, at the moment, we're doing one a week, so uh, I'll hold you to that. Great to see you as always. Look forward to seeing you on Friday. I'll be there. It'll be me. There we go. Me, you and... And uh, and uh, Housewives Choice Aye, himself. Indeed. The choice of the Housewives. Indeed. And then you, me and Canners on Sunday. Got a busy weekend plus the match on the Saturdays. All go. Oh, 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 and the other thing, of course, the London is Blue Boys are over this weekend. So hopefully I'll be having a beer or three with them too on Saturday. So. Will you be at the, uh, at which pub will you be at? Send I will be at the Cock. You'll be at the Cock, will you? I'll be okay. at the Cock and I might squeeze one in in the Atlas afterwards. You don't squeeze one out of the actress. It depends how much Guinness I've had. That's very true. So uh, um, I'll try and see you there then. What time are you getting there? Um, early. What, eight, nine o'clock? Not that early. Pub's not open, mate. Okay, I Tw don't know about... 12 o'clock I'm aiming for. All right, Pat, I'll try and get there early then. All right. Okay, so there we go. That's the entertainment sort out for the weekend. Right, you lot out there, brilliant. Lovely, especially the people of Mixler. Great for listening. Thank you for listening. See you Friday. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.